0: Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben Dua from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. And Today, I have Colin Cadmus with us, and we're going to get into this topic of modern prospecting. Is the cold call dead? How do we not inundate people in their inboxes? How do we get people to actually respond to our emails, give us calls back, want to hear from us? Uh, one of the f- my favorite paradoxes is that salespeople are our best friends, and sometimes they're the most annoying people on the planet. The fact of the matter is that without salespeople, the world would not go around. We wouldn't have insurance and we wouldn't buy stuff that solves problems in our lives. Uh, Colin, if you could just start with a short bio and let's get into this topic.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Colin Cadmus. I've been in sales for—I mean, really, I think I've been selling things my entire life. But uh, professionally, been in sales for a little greater part of ten years. Um, you know, rewound my career in 2012 to get into entry-level sales, and then climb the ladder into a couple VP of sales roles, and now I'm consulting and advising. Uh, and the topic of prospecting is is huge, right? People have been saying for—I mean, God—as long as I've been in sales, is the cold call dead? Things of that nature, and you know, I want to be clear. I don't think the cold call is dead, but I do think that we are killing it. I think we are abusing it. I think we've done that for 100 plus years. Uh, and and the, the rejection from the market couldn't be stronger. And we have to be thinking about and talking about what is going to happen next and how we're going to get in touch with prospects over the next 10 years. Because if you rewind 10 years ago, the success rates of cold calls are, are almost unrecognizable at this point.
0: Well, I mean, I think that one of the places that's truly just dis- helped dis- help to tarnish the cold call because I don't believe it's dead. I, I totally believe in cold calling. Um, from both, and I'm with sides. you on that. By the yeah. way, <laughs> yeah, I've been cold called, and I've and I've bought, and I've cold called people, and they've bought. So yes. believe her in both. Um, but the place that I just despise it is 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 when you you register a domain name. And you foolishly put your cell phone number in there or you put your business line there. (laughs) And all of a sudden, the Whois network shares out that phone number (laughs) and there are scrapers all over the internet that go and scrape that, pre-populate their CRM and then the auto-dialer happens. So I think what happens, if I'm not mistaken, is that the dial happens. it's an auto-dial to confirm that you're a human being. And then if you say hello and start breathing, then it does a little green check in some system and then a human being goes and calls you and then, and that's the only place yeah. where I, I'm i am a little open about the fact that it's irritating. Otherwise, I just like to talk to people and be like, why'd you call me? And the first question I always ask is, is this a cold call? And if they can be honest about the fact that it is, I'm willing to have the conversation. If they're gonna lie and say, no, this is not a cold call and say, oh, we're well, supposed to do this. I'm like, okay, sorry, not interested. <laughs>
1: See, and, and that's a rare exception, right? And most people don't think about receiving a cold call that way. Yeah. Most people don't want to receive a cold call, right? It's, it's to the point that, uh, and I'm actually surprised it took them this long to do it, but Verizon and AT&T have default features in their phones now where you can just say, I don't want to accept calls from numbers that I don't have saved in my phone. You know that 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 couldn't be a louder announcement of the world to salespeople saying, please stop cold calling us, right? Um,
0: Well, not to mention again. To be
1: clear, I'm not I'm not advocating for stopping cold calling. Um, You know, we'll we'll get into it. But uh, what I think the future is 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 trying to warm up those calls, right? And a lot of orgs have been doing this for a long time, trying to find ways to do it. But if you're picking up the phone in 2021 and calling someone who has no idea what your brand is. The chances of success are just so enormously low. And when I zoom out and and, and look, it's it's again, it's not to say, should we stop cold calling? No, I'm not saying that. Right. But what I am saying is we haven't evolved the process at all in about one hundred and forty eight years since uh, John Patterson made the first cold call in 1873 or or, sorry, 1876. It was. Um, And I wrote about this today. Right. The first cold call was made in 1873 the phone was, 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 uh, was patented by Alexander Graham Bell in 1876. The salespeople were actually utilizing the phone for sales three years before the phone even got its first patent. And that to me says, wow, salespeople are some early adopters, right? They really know how to find an opportunity and just jump on it fast. And as I was thinking about that, uh, you know, cause I zoomed out and I really wanted to understand how did we get here? Like, where did this all start? And I found that interesting, right? Salespeople three years before the phone's even a patented sort of household name, they're they're already using it. And so fast forward to 2021 and let's think about what has probably changed, right? So we know that the success rate of a cold call is going to be probably anywhere between one to 10%, right? On uh, any given org these days. And that's a connect rate. That's just getting a human to talk to you, maybe a decision maker, but doesn't necessarily mean you're booking a meeting. But so So let's think about that, if we're 148 years later after the first cold call was made and we're at a one to 10% success rate, and I'll tell you what I've seen mostly is more around the 2%, right? 10% maybe you're selling to restaurants or a place where they have to answer the phone, you'll get someone on the phone more often. But one to 10%, now let's think about if this took place 148 years ago, the success rates must have been significantly higher then because we know that they've been declining just over the last 10 years, right? So think about that. We've gone from probably, I would say they almost had a 100% connect rate when this first started, right in the in the 1800s because if you had a phone and it rang back then, you were excited to answer it. Like that. Oh, was I, cool I would experience. be. I would be just
0: waiting by the phone. Just yeah. please call me. Please call me.
1: <laughs> it was the coolest thing to have someone who was calling me. That was incredible, and yeah. almost probably didn't even care if you're talking to a salesperson. You just thought it was so cool you're talking to someone who's not in your house. Yeah, <laughs> right? I, I'd love. I'd love a new horse. Bring it over exactly. right now. <laughs> and so, like, when you try to think about that, because I think we as salespeople, like, we, we tend to not be innovators. The whole industry just we're we're accustomed to just doing what we're taught and that's always what was taught to someone before and so we've just repeated history really excuse me really um and and look we've innovated a bit right we've got some tools we've got some tech we obviously introduced email since the 1800s right but really not much has changed in the process when you think about how we want consumers to discover our brand we have this inbound model and I think we've just we've come light years forward in that over the last 10 years, you look at what's happening on inbound, the fact that you can have retargeting that's so specific that you can know like so many details about who you're marketing to, you can understand their intent, all of this sort of stuff on inbound is insane when you think about like what it was 10 years ago. But then look at the outbound side of the thing, of the business and it hasn't changed, it's actually just performing at a little bit lower rate every single year. And the reasons for that are pretty simple, right? People are rejecting it. They don't want that cold solicitation. And every company is doing it in such volume. And what we have changed over the last 10 years is actually just making it easier to automate some of this stuff so that you can do more volume of it. And that's been the bandaid, right? We've said, you know, the industry sort of sees a very slow decline in, in the performance here. There's not a sales team in the world that wouldn't wish that someone would just pick up their phone call today because it's so rare that it happens. And so, and and same thing with the spam emails that were, that are being sent out that we say are personal, but they're really not, they're automated. And you don't know the last 10 people you emailed because they're not personal. And so when you just look at that and you think, why are we investing so much money in making our first impression on these prospective customers, such an off-putting experience, something that they really don't want, and that is when I started to think, wow, maybe it is time to think a little bit differently because we've just constantly said, well, it works, right? It works enough of the time. So we're going to keep doing it. And we, we get to the point where inbound is maxed out. You're getting as much pipeline as you can get. And you're like, we need more pipeline. What do we do? We must have to pick up the phone and cold call. But let's take a look at how people want to discover products. And that is what I think is interesting. When you look at an inbound model for any product or service, I think that shows you how people want to discover them. Now, on the outbound model, we're trying to solve for the folks who don't know it's there, right? Or they don't know they have a problem. So what I think we need to do is reverse engineer what they're doing on the inbound model. And that is essentially what happened in 1837, or what did I say? 18, uh, now I'm forgetting the date, but regardless when someone had a problem back in the day they wanted to speak to a salesperson an advisor a trusted consultant if you needed a vacuum cleaner for your house in the 1800s you were going and speaking to a salesperson right and so this concept of picking up the phone to reverse engineer that same interaction made a lot of sense Are you following me so far
0: yeah it makes sense you know i think that what's what's really interesting is that the switch from my from my perspective on this is this idea of Number one is a thousand times more noise. So having to deal with all this information that's coming to us makes us defensive. It blocks us. Number they two it's is
1: 3000 per day. By the way, I read that last night, 3000 marketing, 3, some sort of a marketing impression that we see, whether it's commercial TV, advertisement, cold call 3000
0: a day. That, I'm, I'm already up to about 20. Cause my kid just came in talking to me about Legos. So half of them, you don't even (laughs)
1: notice half of
0: them. You're just driving (laughs) by the shrine.
1: You just kind of see it. You hear it in the background. It's true. That's a lot of
0: noise, you know, noise. And then number two is trust. You know, people have been burned. You know, people have a a really challenging time to, to open up their hearts, open up their minds, open up their eyes when someone is trying to solicit someone. So it's challenging. So yeah, I I really appreciate some of the things that you're presenting to solve these problems.
1: Yeah. Well, let's dive into that. Right. So I, I tried to zoom out, right? So, as I thought a lot about these problems, because through my career, look, we were so heads down just trying to get to the next month, the next day that, you know, I, I was just as guilty as any other sales leader of just repeating the past. Now that I'm consulting, I have time to really step back and, and look at a lot of this. And I get to see multiple companies at once. And I start to see these trends that, you know, may stand out a lot more when you're consulting versus just working in one business and thinking, yeah, maybe this is just us. Right. And so, like I said, let's reverse engineer the way people choose to discover brands when they know they have a problem, which is inbound, right? What do they do? They turn to the internet first. And now think about what I just said before. What did people do back in those 1800s when this cold call concept was invented? They went to find a salesperson. That was the only way to get information was to find someone who knew it. You didn't have the internet. So this concept of a stranger calling you to kind of reverse engineer that same interaction really made sense. But today, people don't go to a salesperson first for their first dose of information on a problem or a product or or whatever they're trying to figure out. They go to the internet because you just said there's a trust factor, right? Why would I ever trust a stranger more than the internet? I wouldn't. Nobody in 2021 is going to do that, right? They're going to turn to the internet first and they're going to do part of their process there. They're going to start to figure things out. And by the way, folks, it's not just sales. When you have a cough, are you calling your doctor first? Or are you going to Google? I know what you did last time you had a cough. You went to Google, right? And you started researching your symptoms because you trust the internet more than you trust people. Even yeah, I, t- I typed in, doctor.
0: "Do I do I have COVID?"
1: <laughs> We've all done it because a it's easier. B, it's faster. C, we don't have to deal with a human interaction, right? So there's no sort of like uh, anxiety or or there's no obligation. There's none of those things. And if you don't like the information you get, you can run another search,
0: Mm -hmm. right? right? And
1: so this is why people do this. This is why our behaviors have changed. The cell phone and the internet has just become an extension of our brain. And so the way that we're going to discover information or brands or solutions is going to involve that internet first. And so let's go back to thinking about outbound. And now let's say, wow, that doesn't align. The idea of just calling someone who's never heard of me before, of course, and again, I'm not saying it's never going to work. Of course, it's going to work, folks. But let's think about what could work the most. And when when we go back, again, reverse engineer that inbound process, that the first thing that's happening is not that they are talking to a salesperson. First thing that's happening is they're discovering that brand on the internet somewhere. And then they're doing a little bit of research. They're learning a little bit about it. If they're intrigued, if they think maybe there's something here, maybe I'm interested in this, they're diving a lot deeper. And by the time they speak to a salesperson, they're at least 80% of the way through the decision-making process. That Mm. is light years different than when the cold call was established, and when we started doing these things. And there's no salesperson who's looking back 100 years, 200 years to figure out how we ended up where we're at. How are we ending up in a place where we're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars when you add it up in, in a company on generating all of this noise? And then let's think about the psychology of discovering a brand, right? So I just told you how people discover it, but let's think about the psychology of a first impression, okay? we you know let's let's talk about for a second the uh let's say the the company culture or the the moral ethics that companies claim to uphold today right we all talk about empathy and customer service and yada yada the list will go on you'll see it plastered on everyone's wall but then on the same sales floor. We're telling people, please go interrupt everyone's day. Don't stop calling them, send them more emails, right? Let's get tools so we can fake personalization. Let's actually try to deceive our prospects and make them think that we typed this email, but we'll automate it. Like think about what we've done over the last 10 plus years. We've just looked for hacks. We've looked for ways to deceive our prospects, which is we've got a track record of that in sales too, right? But again, like let's think into the future. Let's think about how people choose to discover brands. Maybe, just maybe, it doesn't have to be so hard. And then I started to think, okay, so if we reverse engineer this, what does that mean? Does that mean we just don't need SDRs? You don't need someone in that role? Does that mean we just pour more, more money on inbound? And I don't think that's the answer. I think there's always room for outbound. There's always gonna be room for a human. But when you start to go down this path of everything that the human does starts to be affected or automated or in, in enhanced by technology. You're just walking farther and farther away from the human actually doing the job. And that's kind of where we've gotten today.
0: Right? It's true. It's, it's so true. And you know, th- this story is so relevant uh, to hear right now because I, I recently went through the process of doing some research on some life insurance plans. Cause I'm just looking to make a change. And, <clears throat> What's so interesting is that I remember going through this this process of initially doing the research, understanding you know what should the term be, what should the rate be, what should the amount be, going through that process. Yeah, and then number two is what should I do? Should I call my traditional insurance agent? You know, the guy from Farmers that sells me my home insurance and my car insurance? Should I call him? Should I email him? You know, he's got an AOL address, so I I, I never <laughs> like emailing this guy. I'm like, God dang it, man, get with the times. <laughs> But, you know, he's, he, I guess- Isn't he's great. it just Brad at statefarm.com? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but then on the flip side, I was like, okay, there's got to be a better way. Like, let me look at the automated way. Of, let me look at the futuristic way of doing this. Yeah. So I ended up on the Lemonade mobile app, you know, and I went through that process. And, you know, Lemonade is a $6 billion market cap company that sells insurance of, of different types. And I remember going through their acquisition process. There's a nice little form with a little chat bot. And I finally got to the rate And I compared my rate to that which I got from the insurance agent, and it was like a hundred bucks more per month. And if you scale that for like 20, 30 years, it's a a lot of money. There's nothing cheap about using lemonade, it's actually very expensive to use them, you know. But what's so interesting is why are they a $6 billion company? And I would argue that the reason why is because people just don't like calling insurance agents. They don't like getting calls from them, they don't like calling them because there's that. There's that thing that happens where you get sold to and you get pushed Mm -hmm. upon. So think about all these hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that have chosen to use a mobile app and a website to buy something when it's so much more expensive than if they go the traditional route. So I I just found that really interesting. And it's another kind of zeitgeist thing where people just, they don't really, some people, they just don't like interacting with salespeople. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's Look, it goes back to that trust factor, right? If you're talking to someone who has a financial incentive for you to buy what they're selling, it's kind of hard to trust them, right? It's just the nature of our jobs, and and we understand that. And that's why we say we've taken an empathetic and consultative approach nowadays. And I think that on the AE side of the business, we've done that as an industry pretty well. I, I, obviously, not everyone, right? But I think that a lot of the the big moving companies right now are are selling in that way, but they're not prospecting in that way and that's where there's this this just weird alignment and and the whole prospecting side of the company is always just kind of this weird thing that like you keep pouring all this money into no one's ever really happy with the results but no one really knows what else to do so you kind of just keep doing it right and it's always sort of this black hole of money that's just this money pit in the company um, but you're getting maybe enough growth from it that it's like you don't want to sacrifice that growth. Right. Because then you're losing that two or whatever percent, you know. So you just kind of keep doing it. And and the, the decrease or the decline in the success rates are so gradual over time that, that no CFO in a startup is really zooming out and noticing that. But then when mm. you zoom out, you look 10 years ago, 20 years ago. It's very, very, very different. And it's not getting any better. And what really just clicked the light for me was when Verizon AT&T started, you know, letting people block those unknown numbers to their phones. It's like we have to wake up now. Like we are almost about to just knock it through to people. And we've got to think about, you know, how they discover brands. And it comes back to these three points. And so now I'll give you as I'm thinking forward into what we need to do. So. Think about how people discover brands, try to reverse engineer that inbound model. So there's really three things that it comes down to. These are kind of the three principles of prospecting? No matter, no matter how long you go back, right? Regardless of the tool we're using. The first step is to create awareness right? It's the number one step. If you cold call someone, they've never heard of you before. The first thing you're doing is telling them who you are, or who your company is, right? Uh, second step is to generate engagement, right? After they figure out who you are, you want them to interact with you somehow, whether that was over a cold call or that was through content marketing or what have you, uh, you're creating awareness, you're generating engagement. And then the last piece, which is so often in 2021 overlooked is aligning on a problem because just because you've got someone to book a meeting or whatnot, uh, doesn't help you if, if they don't want to align on a problem, right? Uh, or if they don't recognize that they have a problem that you solve. And so when we step back and just forget about cold calls, emails, forget about tactics for a second. And just think about what we're trying to accomplish as an outbound team. We're trying to create awareness, generate engagement, and align on problems. And if we could do those three things, we could pass amazing leads over to, to AEs, right? So creating awareness. How do we want to do that? Do we want to pick up the phone hundreds of times a day, uh, you know, 90% of the time land in the voicemail? Well, look, you are creating awareness that way. You are dropping hundreds of voicemails a day. Um, That doesn't mean it's not working, right? It doesn't mean it's not working. But what's that awareness? What's the effect of it? What's the psychological impact? Is that a good first impression? Are people happy when they receive those calls? We know most of the time, no, right? Again, doesn't mean it doesn't work, but is it the best way to do it? how do people find brands? Like we said, they're on the internet, right? Where are people spending most of their time? And this is where I think you just have to think strategically. Again, 1836 or 37, right? That phone rang, someone answered it probably every time if they were home. All right. But nowadays, very different scenario. But if I put something in your news feed or I interact with you on Twitter or on your LinkedIn, you're going to see it because you're spending an average of two and a half hours a day on those platforms. The average person spending two and a half hours a day on social media, they are not spending two and a half hours a day answering cold calls, checking spam emails, right? So why are we spending the majority of our time in those channels while we're just spending maybe a fraction of what we could be on social, because it's just a, it's sort of like the marketing team does a small dose of what they can afford to do, but you've got your SDR team. It's spending the majority of their time in two channels that people don't really want to be. And so when I start to think about outbound and what the SDR role is going forward, we think about the things that are happening today, the cold calls, the emails, they're largely being automated. They don't really feel even human anymore. So those could be automated, right? We, we went to remember you had like the HubSpot system back in the day and you'd have a marketing person who would, you know, load that up and blast off emails. And you know what happened? The success rate started to go down that that channel got abused. And then you come out with new technology that says, Hey, I got an idea. We can help you send emails from real email addresses and you can merge personalization fields and you can make it look like you sent these emails. And that was like the greatest thing since sliced bread. We're like, "Woo! a new, a new little trick, right? problem is people catch on to these things pretty quick. And uh, I don't think there's a person in the world who receives one of those emails that doesn't know they're in some sort of a cadence or like Mm -hmm. they could tell that like, I'm going to get the second follow up in a day or something. Right. So the effectiveness of those things, unfortunately, and I love those companies, but people are not dumb. Right. When, when those tools first came out, people didn't know they were automated. So obviously they worked better. (laughs) And also every company in the world wasn't using them and oversaturating it. right? So you've got all of just this noise. and, And then you have on the other side, the market resistance where they're getting smarter and they're pushing back and they're blocking these things. So why don't we start to just take our effort a little bit away from some of these channels and put them more into the areas where people want to be? We know people want content. We know they love content. They're searching for it all day long. But we're doing very little um, in most organizations at at generating it. And when you think about those three steps—creating awareness, um, generating engagement, and aligning on a problem—I mean, social media is the lowest-hanging fruit when you look at that, right? Obviously, there's some other channels and there's some other creative things that you can do, but social media is the, to me, the glaring uh, low-hanging fruit that if you're going to say, "Hey, we're going to maybe shift a bit." Uh, away from this noisy cold call game, this you know this very old school game, the way to do that is going to be to triple down, to 10x down on, on social. And that's where I start to see the sales development team really becoming more of a marketing function. In some orgs, it, it maybe already is. Um, but I actually see it much more as a marketing function today. And I think what we'll start to see is we'll be bringing salespeople into an entry-level role where we're teaching them marketing. We're teaching them branding. And we're helping them establish their personal brands. We're helping them start to create content uh, and to build a community around themselves within their industry. And, and that'll tie into another quick little tip here where I think salespeople uh, over the next 10 years are going to be more successful if they pick an industry. You don't need to stay at the same company. Uh, but as this, this concept of building an audience and community around you uh, and leveraging that for your career you know, starts to become more impactful. I think picking a uh, picking an industry as a salesperson that you could maybe stick in for a while uh, will will be very beneficial as well. For that reason,
0: nice. And and speaking of social, um, you've obviously gone all in on your social channels, um, LinkedIn, YouTube. Uh, you have a podcast. Talk to us a little bit about your your social presence.
1: Yeah, and and that's a great question because that really is how I've come up with a lot of this. Right over the last couple of years. I actually had a conversation with someone about three years ago. I was just starting out um, in a new role, building out a team. I wanted to learn a little bit more about social selling and stuff. And so I took this call with someone who runs a consultancy and teaches people about selling on LinkedIn. And he had challenged me to start posting every day on LinkedIn. Now, this was before this was cool. Uh, This was before this was like a popular thing. Now everyone knows. Post every day on LinkedIn. We talk about it all the time. But this was kind of before like... Uh, you know, it was, it was the early adopter phase where it was risky and you're probably going to get made fun of by a bunch of your friends and coworkers if you did it. And so anyway, I took his challenge and I did it for 30 days and was very surprised at the traction. Um, organic reach on LinkedIn was, was massive a few years, a couple of years ago. And so, yeah, I decided to go all in on it. And then especially when, uh, starting my own business, you know, I realized the power of, of just having an audience, is incredible. And, and it puts you in a position or put me in a position where I can run a consultancy without having to send a cold email, without having to cold call, without having to prospect at all, actually. Um, and that's really powerful stuff. And it ties into, again, how people discover brands, right? And how they want to discover them. Uh, I would not have you know a list of clients right now, you know, uh, less than a year into building this business if it weren't for uh, investing heavily uh, my time and my energy into building out a social presence. And I think that ties into, you know, a website like you're pulling up right now, uh, YouTube pages, podcasts, whatever it is, like get yourself out there, build a brand around yourself, have a cause, have something that you stand for, um, and, and and the community will form around you.
0: Nice, man. So talk to me about this, uh, this course that you have, the Modern Prospecting Initiative.
1: Yeah. So it's really everything we're talking about right now. Right. So I see all these problems. I I, I see an industry that is just largely, I think, flying blind. Right. They don't really know what to do next. So we just keep doubling and tripling down on on these calls. I think we've actually gotten to a place where it's like such a risky topic for a sales leader to even talk about. Because for me coming on here saying, you know, that we need to make some transition and start to think about, you know, our cold calls, what we're going to be doing for the next 10 years. I know there's a million salespeople are going to hear this. Oh, this guy's not a real salesperson. You know, you take a lot of heat for this type of stuff in this industry. Uh, But the problem is if everyone's scared to take heat, we're never going to change. And we're really not going to get anywhere. And so I thought, hey, you know, at first I was going to build a, a training course when I started this consulting business. I said, I'm going to put together some training courses, uh, all the things I used to teach salespeople, and then I'll be able to offer these courses to my clients. And I don't have to, you know, keep repeating courses and stuff over, you know, live and stuff. So I started putting together the prospecting and the cold calling course because I figured what, you know, start at the top of the funnel. And as I was doing that, I just started to feel more and more guilty putting it mm. together. And, and I'm thinking, God, like, I don't really think this is what we should be teaching people to do for the next 10 years to just keep annoying people over the phone. Like this can't be what's going to be happening in 2031. It's just crazy to think that that's what we're going to still be doing. And so I said, I got to rewind here and try to zoom out. And that's how I you know ran down all the thought processes that I've just walked you through. And so the concept here is uh, it's a course where you'll be able to come in and learn, you know, deep dives into everything that we just talked about. Ways that I think over the next ten years are going to be working. Uh, things that I've seen over the last ten years in my businesses work the best. Um, but the real purpose here is to bring together a community of people that are not just in the same company, and it gives us a place to come and talk about this stuff and continue the discussion and share best practices, share things that have worked that haven't worked. So there's kind of a community within it with the overarching goal of us saying, hey, if you acknowledge as a salesperson today, and here's a way to ask yourself, do I belong in this course, should I I consider it? Are you proud of picking up the phone a hundred times a day and annoying people? Are you proud of being the person who's putting all that spam in their inbox? Like, do you feel good about it? And if the answer is no, then it means you're probably open to something else, right? And again, to be clear, I'm not saying that we're done picking up the phone. I'm not saying that we're done sending emails what I'm saying is we have abused automation. We have gone far too much into the let's increase the volume to make up for the success rates. Okay, So you can only abuse something so long before it will eventually just have massively diminishing returns. So what we need to do, if we don't want to kill the cold call, I think it's on its way. We're killing it right now. right? And you can see that with the efforts that are being made to block the calls. But if you don't want to kill it, what we have to do is stop abusing it so much. And if we put our prospects first. And we say, Hey, you know, I'm going to take these prospects that I was just about to load into my normal automation tool. And instead of doing that for the next 30 to 90 days, I'm going to put them through a different program where I'm going to actually try to create awareness and engagement organically yet intentionally. Right. And I'm going to utilize social mostly for this And then if I haven't yet been able to make a good contact with them, then maybe I'll try to reach out. And at that point, they probably know who you are and it's not a cold call. And even the success rates just go up a little bit just from that. But if we take our time and we engage with people on social, this stuff works. And when you just take a look at the companies who are crushing it today, they're all crushing it on social, right? It doesn't mean they're not cold calling. They're not doing these things, but their cold calls, their emails, everything's more effective because people know who the heck they are because they have a brand, they have a personality, they have a reputation that they've invested heavily in building. And the large problem you're seeing in orgs right now is just a bad allocation of money where you know before you even build that brand or a marketing team or anything that's gonna fuel that sales team, you're pouring all this money in cold calls and emails and, and it's backwards. It doesn't make a lot of sense to be doing that. And so when it comes to building and scaling the business, build your marketing first, build your brand first. When it comes to prospecting, Try to also build that awareness first before making those cold calls, right? Before sending those emails, then you don't need as many of those emails. And the first impression people receive will be much better because they've actually had somewhat of an interaction with you before. And by the way, I'll use you as an example. I had never heard of your company, okay? You're running a podcast, and that's not a knock, right? You're running a podcast, and you invited me on. I now know all about what you do because of that, not because you cold called me, not because you emailed me, not because you tried to sell me anything, not because you paid to put an ad in front of my face, because what you did is you built an organic yet intentional relationship. And whether or not I'm a customer of yours, who knows, right? Maybe someday, maybe I have a client who has a need or something, but what you've just managed to do is you've offered me value by giving me a platform to come and speak but in doing so, and I know you know this, you've created brand awareness, right? With another person who's in the industry, who now knows about your company, who maybe six months from now, three months from now, who knows, has a problem that you could solve and remembers you. And that, by the way, that'll be in the course, how building a podcast can literally help you. <laughs> thank, uh, and- you know,
0: thank, thank you for, for unpacking that. It is such a such an important part of what we do uh, because providing value and educating is is just where it's at for us it's not natural for me to to sell what is natural is for me to create platforms to create technology to educate people and to give people tools and you know practices to improve their lives thanks for noticing
1: well and it's a lot more enjoyable isn't it i mean we get to sit here and have a fun conversation rather than you trying to get me on the phone and shove something down my throat like Just think about that. It's crazy. Like we just need to slow down. And if we could, as a company, reach out to our top 20% accounts and invite their CEOs on a podcast to speak to our CEO before we cold call them, before we start hammering them with emails, just think what that does. All of a sudden your CEO has a relationship with their CEO. They had an hour long conversation what like and think about the chances of them answering that email versus the cold solicitation you're inviting them on a platform to to talk about their business the value is
0: free totally it's
1: not a take it's a give
0: totally love that uh where can people connect with you on social uh give us your your handles linkedin twitter youtube
1: yeah, you can find me anywhere uh, at Colin Cadmus with t- two L's, uh, colincadmus.com, uh, LinkedIn. Yeah, check me out on YouTube. i I put a lot into, got a good channel coming. We're going to be, in addition to the podcast, we're going to be launching a YouTube show. Um, so it'll be very similar to the types of content I've put out on LinkedIn, except video.
0: Nice. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for your time, Colin. Really appreciate you. Um, stick around for some follow-up notes and we will see you soon on LinkedIn.
1: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Likewise.